Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. How do you do this from here? Haven't been in the studio in forever. Here we are. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, good to see you. Good to be here. Working from home is easy, you know. I bet. <laughs> Pretty convenient, isn't it? It is convenient. It's uh, it's not like you get the day off, though. You know, I, I, there's I this. Mean, yeah. There's this. Uh, I think there. I talked about this with our bosses a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Not in radio, but in TV. I, there's this like barrier that when somebody tells you, and this happens at our department too. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna work from home today. It's like, yeah, right, whatever, right? That's what yeah. you say. I'm gonna work from home today. But actually. I think you get a ton done from home. I I, I like the working from home. Mm. And I think I might have said this uh, during one of the shows, but when we're doing news hits for TV, it is so much easier from home and, and can be quicker. Like I can drop out of the radio show mm-hmm. for three or four minutes, do my radio hit that takes 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, my TV hit takes 90 seconds. And then, bam. Sure. Uh, right back here on, on the airwaves. Yeah. So, you know, otherwise I got to go down there, get changed, get mic'd up. I mean... I'm out of shape. Minutes, dude. minutes out of his day to do that, ladies. I'd and rather gentlemen. be here. Minutes out of his day to yeah. go downstairs to get dressed. Yeah, man, it's uh, that's a sad state of affairs. I'm sorry that you have to come back to the studio now and do the show from here. I do like I like coming back to the studio though. But and it we had, love to have you. It had been a while, and we love to have you. No here. doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the reasons I stayed out last week is because I had the first week I was in quarantine. Sure. And then last week I had like. About here or there with the sinus stuff. Okay. And so I just don't, I mean, around here, you don't want to be sneezing all over everything, right? Well, here comes the big question. Have you been tested? Uh, yeah. Well, actually, I got, I'd already been tested. Okay. Okay. So I knew I didn't have it. And then, okay. But I still don't think sneezing and sniffling around everything, like, it's kind of what we're trying to avoid, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, and yeah. And so, yeah. and then I had to get tested again today. Okay, good. Because I have UNF duties this weekend. Ah, doing some play-by-play. Doing play-by-play. They're finally coming back home, and so you have to get a PCR test. And so I did that. Well, then, of course, everything gets ruffled up up there, right, when every time they do a test. Um, so we'll see. Maybe I'll be sneezing anyway. Awesome. Uh, in fact, I walked in and sneezed, right, Coos? Oh, off to a good start. Almost immediately. Yeah, almost immediately. I like it. So there it. you go. So that's where we're at. Um, hey, took uh, took the day yesterday, so it was a little longer of a weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, NFL playoffs, obviously a big deal. We continue to follow uh, the Jags coaching searches and putting together this team. <laughs> yeah. I think it's fun to see the rumors and reports. I also like I have a hard time locking in because they feel like just rumors, reports and, and acquaintances and everybody has some. I mean, this staff might be like 70 deep. Yeah. For for Urban Meyer, if we take into account every single thing that people have said, although it does look like now Raheem Morris, who's, who was a serious candidate by all reports mm-hmm. uh, and also interviewed for the head coaching position here in Jacksonville, is going to go to the Rams, which makes a lot of sense. Right. I mean, if you could come here to Jacksonville and help rebuild the defense or you could go to the Rams and take over for Staley there and have that defense, which was the number one in the league. Yeah. And Probably a pretty good situation. Let's be honest here. We talk about all the time in terms of, you know, how good a situation is. And for the head coach, the Jacksonville job probably is the best situation. For the GM, the best situation. From a defensive coordinator's perspective, (laughs) okay, 
bottom of the barrel, in my opinion, if you will, right? Because yeah. there's a lot of things that have to be like changed. You have the most points here. in the league. Exactly. And if you look at the L.A. Rams, you got Jalen Ramsey, you have Aaron Donald. Those are two. I mean, let's be honest. At their position, probably two of the best players, if the like the best players in the NFL at their position. So it makes things a lot easier to be a coordinator for the Rams than it does for the Jaguars. Absolutely. So it makes sense. Like if mm-hmm. I had to pick and I had my chance, I'd go to the Rams too. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, what about the offensive side, though? Because, uh, and we'll talk more defensive side, whether it's Sutton, who you know very well. I know Sutton. Uh, Joe Cullen, you know very well. I'm yeah. all for those guys that you know very well, by the way. <laughs> Not because maybe, hey, they come on the show, but really because you know the ins and outs of what it's all about. So as we talk about this mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what kind of defenses guys like that will have mm-hmm. again those are just some of the rumors I, I i will be perfectly honest with you i do not know some of the coaches that have landed here i'm not in that loop right now of hey they're hiring this guy it's more let's see who gets replaced on the website yeah. <laughs> and who gets introduced um but if you take it from an offensive coordinator position how enticing is this job versus maybe some of the other ones out there from a defensive coordinator position, listen. Oh, you, offense. Oh, I'm sorry, from offensive. Okay. Uh, from an offensive spot, very enticing, right? Because you have the trump card. You have the number one pick in the draft being Trevor Lawrence more than likely um, to try, try to groom, obviously, and come up with your offense. So anytime you have a young quarterback like that, that you can kind of take underneath your wing a little bit, implement your offense, that's huge. And let's be honest, like it's all about – that situation when the quarterback comes in, right? Is is it a good one? Is it a bad one? Let's be honest. When you got guys like DJ Chark, when you got guys like LaVisca Chenault, James Robinson, a pretty suitable offensive line, you have a lot of pieces to be successful on offense right away and, most importantly, help out Trevor Lawrence. So if you're an offensive coordinator right now, I would be chomping at the bit if I'm that desperate to get an offensive coordinator gig here in Jacksonville. And obviously, we've heard the Scott Linehan name. We talked about him, I think, uh, last Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Lynn has been a name thrown around a little bit as well. That would interest me. And again, heavy head coaching experience, you know, knows the NFL game. That's important, too. Uh, so you're looking for a staff that can balance them. The only knock I would say against being an offensive coordinator here in Jacksonville would be, is it going to be mine? Or is it going to be Urban Myers? Because Urban Meyer, at the at the root of it, he's a culture builder, the CEO, but he is an offensive mind, mm-hmm. and and he doesn't call the plays necessarily, but he's he's an offensive mind. So that guy's going to have a little bit, you know, you're going to be under that umbrella essentially of Urban Meyer, which could be fun. I'm just saying, does, does that detract from it at all if it's not yours? It's mine alone. Well, you know, I mean, let's be honest. In any kind of coaching gig, usually you have to work together. So in Urban Meyer's defense, like, yes, it's going to be his offense. But it won't be the same offense that he ran in college just because it's it's not oh, no, going to no. work here, you know. So that's where the coordinator comes in, can offer his input. And obviously that coordinator has NFL experience even better. So while you're coming to Jacksonville and you may, you may not get like full reign of the offense, you're going to get a good bulk of it, um, obviously working with Urban Meyer. Then. Yeah, and then the other big thing, which, by the way, got very quiet. Uh, it was something we talked about in December a lot because everybody thought they would hire a GM than a head coach. Well, guess what? They still have to hire a GM. Yeah. And that's that's going to happen soon. I, I would suspect very soon because all we have to do is point back to Shad Khan. And he said, let's see, when did we talk to Shad Khan? Friday. That uh, he expects something in the next week. Mm-hmm. Well, here we are. We've got about three days left in the week. And so I think uh, I think. I don't know if imminent is the right word, but around the corner in the GM search, get ready, uh, I would say, when it comes to the GM. And who will that be? 
And we've heard all sorts of names, right? Trent Baalke is already in there and the building. Um, does, does he, is that the match that people have made with Urban Meyer? Is, uh, Scott Pioli a name has been thrown around a little bit? Does that make some sense? How about any of the interviews that they've already had? The Rick Smiths of the world who has yet to be hired. Mm-hmm. Fontenot is a guy that looked interested and thought there may be a match with Meyer, but then he gets hired by the Atlanta Falcons. So, where they land with this, honestly, I don't have a good feel. Uh, I, I still am a little hesitant to say bulky. I don't think it's as easy as that. Uh, but this will be a big-time hire for the Jacksonville Jaguars, a, a guy that will have to help Urban Meyer in the personnel part of things, show him more than just picking players, salary cap, trading players, all the rest that goes into that position that really a lot of people don't talk about. It's a massive hire, uh, much like the rest of them, for Urban Meyer. Do you get the sense now among the fan base and even among amongst us right now, like I think if they were to, to retain Balky and elevate him to a new role, that could rub some people the wrong way because they already know who he is, right? He had his run in San Francisco. Um, you know, he kind of had a falling out with, it would have been Chip Kelly. He had a falling out with Jim Harbaugh. So, like, there is history there, right? And obviously he's got his draft resume as well that he's done. But, like, anybody else, do you get the sense that it's, say, that they get somebody else or whatever, it's not going to be bulky. It's just kind of like, all right, cool, sounds good. Urban Meyer, we trust you. Like, that's to the point where I feel like we're at right now. Like, while... We were talking about a head coach a couple weeks ago, and like it was all systems go on that. And there's, is it, it going to be Urban Meyer? Could it be B. Enemy? Welcome, they're not interviewing Dabble. Like you know, it was like all these kind of things. And then all of a sudden, Urban Meyer gets it. There's a celebration, and now it's kind of quiet again. But nobody is talking about the general manager position. And let's be honest, it's a very important position in the sport of football. Do you just feel like people think now, Urban? You got this under control, man. Put in cruise control and bring us home or what? Well, I do think there is, and, and I'll be honest with you, I think I feel this way a little bit, that, listen, they got a big fish that they wanted. And I know and I believe and I've heard that, and, and Shad Khan said it and Urban Meyer basically said, he's running the show. And so I feel like the GM is super important part of the puzzle piece. But I feel from our point of view, we still think Urban Meyer's running the show. The guy that's going to make the decision from what's being served at lunch to what players are going to be picked with heavy influence, okay? He's not necessarily cooking the food at lunch, but he's going to say what ingredients he wants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah. And if it's not right, he's going to say, I want this the next day instead. It's going to be the best ingredients, Brent. The best ingredients. So I, I do think he has that much influence in the building. That's the way I view this. I, I view this as a gutting of the ja- of Jags headquarters. I really do. And mm. Urban Meyer's fingerprints all over everything. So because of that, I don't know if trust is the word. I just feel like I know that's the case. So whatever whoever he brings on, he obviously believes he can work with in, in that way. So I guess I do sense, okay, Urban, if you think so, good for me. The other reason why I don't think everybody is like, oh, well, if he picks this guy. In fact, I do think the reaction, it, when it happens, will be a little bit like, oh, man. Oh, man. You know why? Because... All of the people that are available are people that have failed in the role, <laughs> you For know, sure. because that's why they're available mm-hmm. from Rick Smith to whatever happens, even though his resume looks pretty good with J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson and guys like that to Ray Farmer in Cleveland, who's been linked to it, mm-hmm. to Trent Baalke, who's been linked to it, is in the building. You know, any of those guys that are linked to it feels like. Okay, well, they fail. They're, they're available for a reason. So everybody's going to come with a little bit of, hmm, is that yeah, the right call? But that, hmm, that baggage, um, that failure to succeed, they're all made up of different components. 
like when we talk about Balky, like listen, I, I know his draft history and so be it. Like there's a lot of bad draft histories out there and people still have jobs. But like the thing with Balky is can he get along with Urban Meyer? Like that that's the big question to me. Me too. Because history has showed us in the past when he was the GM, him and his coaches didn't see eye to eye. And that's the last thing you need on a team that is stressing communication and being on the same page. Yeah, and I think you, you I actually think he picked a lot of good players along the way, too. Sure. You know, I mean, he did. I, I, did he keep them? Did he pick enough? No, you never pick enough for you to still have the job. Well, and, but I do yeah. agree with you, and we've talked about this. Mm. I, I don't know Trent Bulky, I mean, so I don't want to slander the guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know whose fault it was, but things fell apart when he was the GM. Is that his fault? Is he tough to get along with? I don't know. I don't know. And listen, I, I don't think anybody who's been around Urban Meyer, I don't think he's like the easiest guy to get along with. He demands excellence. When you demand excellence, that doesn't make it an easy day every day. Well, that's so, what I'm yeah. So yeah, you, yeah. But obviously, if Meyer is going to pick somebody, he's going to pick somebody he feels like he's compatible with, you know, uh, because that is important. And, and I would hope Shotcon stress that. I would hope Urban Meyer already knows that, that in this in this profession, like you don't have to necessarily get along, I guess, with your recruiting coordinator in college or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. but you better get be able to go hand in hand and be on the same page with your GM. I think that's a proven fact yeah. in the NFL. And again, I go back to Seattle. Pete Carroll did a great job picking Schneider, uh, and Schneider's still there, and he signed to 2027. If Urban Meyer can hit a home run with whoever he t- selects, whether we all like it or not, mm-hmm. well, that's a that's a good omen for the future. Well, and you saw Detroit try to like poach, uh, you know, the GM from Seattle away too, because Detroit was trying to go after him. That might have been my idea. True. Yeah, I mean, yeah that was one of the things you contributed. That was, that was one of my ideas. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about those ideas later. But um, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. And then you have a situation we've brought up before on this show with John Dorsey and Andy Reid. John Dorsey's track record in terms of drafting. Mwah, chef's kiss. But John Dorsey, in terms of maybe getting along with his uh, with head coach, well, him and Andy Reid kind of had a falling out. Then John Dorsey goes to Cleveland, has some pretty good transactions there, gets Jarvis Landry, um, drafts Baker Mayfield, but obviously there's miscommunication there as well from the head coaching standpoint. Yeah. So, it, it ha- I mean, you can have a good resume, but if you don't have the communication skills, it is what it is. It, here's what's interesting, okay? Uh, you know, go back to some of the names. You mentioned Dorsey. See, mm-hmm. I would say, okay, I don't want Dorsey anymore. You know why I don't want Dorsey anymore? He's so good at picking quarterbacks, especially. Well, I know who they're picking. He's going to outsmart himself. <laughs> well, no, but I know who they're picking. Yeah, like, but all of a sudden he's like, ah, oh, this Trey Lance kid, I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah. Remember when we said, hey, bring Dorsey in, pay him like three mil just to pick the quarterback? That's yeah. when the Jags were picking the number two spot. <laughs> we're all set now. Now we're good, yeah, right? Yeah. We don't need, I can pick the quarterback. Yeah, I'll run yeah. that up, yeah. all right? We don't need that. But. If you look at some of the other folks, like Rick Smith, of course, again, I think this is one that the fans would like. I don't know what that means. I'm just saying I think if I read Jag's Twitter right, right, if if I'm polling out there, I think Rick Smith is someone they could get on board with. Jerry Reese doesn't do much for me getting back into it. Louis Riddick, I I would think, is a – with all due respect to Louis Riddick, I think here's the problem with a guy like Louis Riddick. He hasn't been in the game since 2013 in that kind of capacity, you know, in, in terms of being in a building. Well, we've True. got a guy here as a head coach who many people believe the biggest hurdle is how to adapt to the NFL. I don't know if I want to bring a guy in he's going to work hand-in-hand hand with yeah. that hasn't been in the NFL in this role since 2013. Well, that does That's illogical, in my opinion, in terms of the Riddick front. Yeah, I hear you. If we're eliminating guys. No, you know? no, and I understand where you're coming from. But you have to ask the question, look, well, he hasn't been in a locker room, but he's covered it thoroughly and extensively for the past couple True. of years yeah. in Lewis Riddick. So, like, I mean, and I, I don't have the answer to that. 
I don't know how much you have to be around the players in that locker room and how much you can cover from a distance. Is there a difference in that? Um, is, is it a drastic difference? That I can't answer. But I'm just saying just because Lewis Riddick wasn't in the locker room doesn't mean that he doesn't understand the inner workings of how a team works because he's been covering it pretty thoroughly. What do you? What would you think of like Pioli? Speaking of a guy who hasn't been in it in a long time, yeah, you know. But I mean, he obviously had the run with with uh, the Patriots and then with Kansas City. Uh, you know, it didn't sustain success because they really just didn't pick mostly the right coaches. They actually did pick some players. I, I go back to remember that two and fourteen year that we talk about with Kansas City. Yeah. They had six Pro Bowlers on that roster in the two and fourteen year, so they had some pretty nice players before Andy Reid and Alex Smith and and Patrick Mahomes to yeah. build this thing up. Well, and keep in mind, uh, Scott Piola is a former Murray State guy. He was the offensive line coach back is in the nineties. Really? So, you know how I feel about that, Brent. I did not realize that. Yeah, how about fact. that? But um, listen, like another I've been guy. Finding some Murray State guys, by the way, because Have I'm you? putting some requests in, and there was, I think it was Ohio State, uh, that I looked into their like sports information department, and the gentleman that I emailed a, a request to, um, for something was a Murray State grad, I think. Huh. And so I, I dropped your name. Yeah, well, I'm sure you, that helps. I'm sure you'll get a phone call uh, within an hour. I said Murray State legend. Yeah, I don't know if that oversold it or not. No, yeah. I mean, well, careful because there's John Morant too. So, like, be careful how you throw out legends. I did put John Morant's buddy. Okay, there we go. Because <laughs> one guy was the first round pick of the NBA draft. One guy, as you put it, was in the crapshoot of the fifth round of the NFL draft. So take that how you want. That's a good point. With you Scott, take that how you want. <laughs> with Scott Pioli, though, um, Intriguing for sure. Uh, has been with a couple of teams. I think his last year was 2019 in Atlanta. So he is still pretty current to the situation. I think he's assistant GM um, with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, that uh, That's a name that's intriguing to me. You know, I think him, um, I'll be honest with Lewis Riddick. I like Lewis Riddick a lot. I think he's a great communicator. But to me, that's kind of like the big name of this group. Like, he's the well-known name. Yeah. And when you got Trevor Lawrence coming in, and when you got Urban Meyer coming in, if you got these slew of coaches, what we think are going to be coming in here, um, it might be too many cooks in the kitchen in terms of, like, all eyes on this person, right? So... I might want to like a little more lower key type of guy, all due respect to Lewis Riddick. And I think Scott Pioli could be that guy. I, I haven't done like the approval ratings like I did with the head coaches. Mm-hmm. But I think if I did the approval ratings, I, I seriously believe Rick Smith would win. Um, outside of that, I don't know if anybody would be – there'd be a lot of approval. Yeah. I really don't. I mean, listen, Ray Farmer's name has been mentioned. That is not going to win people over by, the, by saying Ray Farmer's our guy. You know, a GM has been – in the fans' mind, a big issue over the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. And in performance-wise, I think, speaks to that, you know. Uh, I still maintain Dave Caldwell had a lot of good players around here. Uh, they just couldn't figure it out, match it up, get the quarterback right, all those things. I think we saw more good players come through here during Dave Caldwell's tenure uh, than than maybe the previous eight years, the end of Shaq Harris and then, yep. of course, Gene Smith. And And part of that... Look at all the guys playing in the playoffs. Sure. They're on other teams. I get it. But look at all the guys yeah, playing in the playoffs. It, it, it is legit. Now, they're not as good as radio as some of Gene Smith's tricks. But um, Gene Smith as far as football players, gurus. oh, he found some radio studs, man. <laughs> some radio studs, if you will. That's a good point. You do, yeah. So be thankful. Gene probably <laughs> doesn't even know. How good what a I'm job doing? he did that. Oh, way. no, he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, you know what, Brent? I don't think he cares. <laughs> yeah, he should, though. He should get credit for it. It's all good. Uh, all right. Let's take a break. We come back, uh, we get into more of the Urban Meyer front on the coaching. Uh, what are they going to be? What's he trying to figure out? I mean, where do you start? I asked this question to somebody. 
I said, if you're Urban Meyer and you're about to like really just flush the whole darn thing, mm-hmm. like where do you start? Hey, how does that go? And obviously we know kind of where it starts. It's with the the staff. Mm-hmm. But once that happens, then what? Mm-hmm. Right. So like, what's the order of business? And by the way, my understanding was he'd been in that building quite a bit. Yeah. Over the last since he was introduced, let's just say that. I like it. Uh, so the work is being done. I like it. Uh, no surprise there. Uh, he's all in. Yeah. Really did feel like that, too, from the news conference Friday. He's all in. Oh, yeah. This isn't just, hey, let's see if this works. He's all in. For sure. And then this kind of job, you better be all in. So we go there a little bit. Uh, Randy Moss. Randy Moss. You Randy, get him, Randy, Randy, Randy. You going to get him? We put in a request for Randy, but apparently he doesn't respond to requests is what I've been told. So He didn't want to come on the show today? Yeah, he's a run and hide guy. Ah, you said that, not me. Let's just bring him on to Duval, man. I come on down to thoughts. Duval, Randy. I like Randy Moss, but what is he talking about? What is he hey, doing? He's not going to come on an ESPN-sponsored show. You think he's going to come down to Jacksonville and hang out with us while we take him around the city? Let's do it. You think he's going to do that? Well, he won't even call into the show. He used to go to Daytona. He owned a truck. Did he really? Yeah. Huh? In the trucks race. Huh. How about that? Well, he is from West Virginia, right? Yeah, so he's yeah. been around. Yeah, or Virginia, whatever, one of those two. Yeah. NFL playoffs, Hall of Fame vote today. Where the heck did that come from? Well, What's it's the latest oh, it's today? It's today. Did you send your vote in? Yeah, I did. Okay, <laughs> good. Tony Baselli talk, of course, as well. well. We'll get to all of it on a Tuesday. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Austin Lane. And I'm going to regurgitate it to you. I'm like a mother bird right now, and I'm spewing it in your mouth. Brent Martineau. You got doves flying and mother birds <laughs> all week. I'm, I mean. I'm trying to baby bird you right now, man. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, this is why I tease stuff and don't get to it. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I think it's going to work out well for the Jaguars. You know, I had the the, the chance to spend it, uh, almost a full week with Urban out at Ohio State in 2013 when I was out of work after uh, being fired from the Chiefs. And I stayed out there, and I was able to sit in coaches' meetings, player meetings, individual group meetings, and recruiting meetings. I saw how Urban ran his organization. That wasn't a football, a college football program. It was an organization. Urban is detailed, he's passionate, and he is relentless. He is going to bring all of that same energy to the Jacksonville Jaguars. All he has to do is make sure that he gets the players that fit not only the schemes he intends to run on offense and defense, but they need players that are going to fit Urban's personality. Urban is high energy. He's detailed. He's highly, highly intelligent. It should be a bright future for the Jacksonville Jaguars as well. Well, that's encouraging. Could that be the future Jaguars general manager? Yeah. Scott Pioli. Coos, nice work finding the sound there. Scott Pioli dropping that beat, too. Good morning, football. Yeah. So I spent some time when he was got fired by the Chiefs with mm-hmm. Urban Meyer and saw him up close and obviously has a respect for Meyer, right? I mean, he, he, one thing is, we'll talk about this later on, okay? We'll talk yeah. about the Randy Moss stuff, but there's this barrier in this NFL fraternity like, you're not good enough to be up here. And that's why it's a friends league a lot of times, right? That's why it's a buddy system. Correct. And, and but So to hear Scott Pioli, who's been around the NFL for two decades, really, and probably even longer, say that. Um, I think uh, is is probably shows you the affinity he has. And if he has that affinity, would he like to work with him? Would he like to work in this situation where you have a young football team, you can carve it the way you want, you mm-hmm. have a Trevor Lawrence, you have $100 million, $80 million, whatever people say, you have 11 draft picks. Again, if you're going to get back in, you know, we said defensive coordinator, this might not be a great job mm-hmm. uh, from an eye test. Offense coordinator, pretty good. Pretty good, right? I mean, it's not freaking Tom Brady you have, uh, and, and to go along with Antonio Brown and Mike Evans, but it's <laughs> it's pretty good. It's not Kansas City's offense, but 
So it's pretty good. And yeah, then the great. head coaching job was very good. And the GM job you would think would be very good. If you're, a, a, if you want to be a GM, this mm-hmm. is a very good gig. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think, listen, like Scott Pioli, he said something important. Like he understands Urban Meyer because we, you just said it yourself. I mean, it's like, and I always call it the good old boy network, kind of like I allow the SEC a little bit in college football, but it's about who you know. And I think if you have a GM who sees what you've done, who understands what your mindset is, that's an advantage. And since this is the good old boy network, Scott, if you get the job, once again, there's a Murray State guy here in Jacksonville that talks on the radio from 3 to 6, so I'm going to be busy during then. But if you need some kind of consulting, if you need some kind of MMA, NFL transitioning technique, something like that, I'm your guy. Scott, give me a call. Well, and not only that, uh, you, you you just missed him in Kansas City then. Oh, I didn't think about that. Who was the GM in Kansas City when you got over there? That was Dorsey. Oh, that's right. So yeah. he took over for, obviously, for Pioli. Correct. Dorsey took over. Hey, Austin, can you gain 30 pounds in two months? Uh, sure. Okay, great. Click. That was it. That was that it. That was introduction. Yeah. yeah. And, then uh, I, and then I went on an eating spree like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. yeah. I did that the last five weeks or so. Yeah, you're looking good. Okay. <laughs> Playing cool. the three technique? <laughs> <laughs> watch out, Tavon Brian. <laughs> watch uh, out. So... The question I have as I considered all this over the weekend, and obviously we know he's building the staff, and we can get into the weeds on the staff, but until they actually hire people on the staff, what do you know? Obviously, uh, unfortunately, we really like Milo, but he looks to yeah. be out uh, mm-hmm. because they hired a strength coach. And uh, If he wants a, another job, though, he's getting another job. Yeah, he's Milo's well-respected, exactly. and, and by the way, survived a couple of different changes. Yeah, and But what the Milo change to me showcased is – Milo's good at his job. Milo, by the way, is like strength and conditioning head coach for the well, Jags. And real quick, do you know why he's good at his job? Because he's a former player. He understands how it works. Yeah, but he's also like way uh, – I've, I've had a lot of conversations mm-hmm. with Tom Lozinski over the years and over on flights and stuff, and, and it's fun to listen to him yeah. because he's always being educated about the next thing. You talk about, like we say all the time, be ahead of the curve, man. Be ahead of the curve. He's ahead of the curve, mm-hmm. and he does some stuff that – you know, he's always seeking for that. And I'm sure a lot of guys do. But uh, I hear you know, him. You'd be surprised, though, especially in strength and conditioning, where guys come up from a certain system, a certain tree, if you will, and they're hell-bent on doing that tree. So, like, when the new thing comes out, it's like, yeah, that's great, but I'm going to go with what got me here in the first place. Milo was never like that. Like, Milo brings an old-school mentality in terms of um, his philosophies of weightlifting. You know, like, where a lot of guys now talk about the air compressed, you're going to put weights on the you know, like on the bar anymore. Milo still believes in the old lifts and things like that, which is, in my opinion is good, but he also believes in the new school techniques as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an important hire though. So if you're going to, what it showed yeah. me, what I started to say is that that's flushing the building. If you're going to get rid of Milo and again, everybody's got acquaintances and people they're comfortable with. And obviously this guy from Ohio state who was actually on radio in Columbus, Ohio mm-hmm. is, is probably very good at it uh, as well. I mean, I, we don't know. He's very good at tackling fans that run on the field. He's we got a lot that. of energy. We know yeah. that, and that matches Urban Meyer. But it's a huge hire, right, because that strength and conditioning. You know, I laugh and joke a little bit in the college ranks of how excited, like, Florida fan gets at the hiring of Nick Savage or how excited Alabama guy gets or Georgia guy gets or Texas guy gets at the hiring of the strength coach. But the bottom line is those guys are now getting paid a ton of money mm-hmm. because there's such an importance on it. Now, I don't really feel like we need to talk about him every afternoon, but <laughs> I, I do think there is a huge importance on that. Is it like that in the NFL? Oh, in the strength and condition, like how valuable is that guy in the building? It's so it's so crucial, Brent, because you think about it, and especially when we're in the off season, 
if we're in the spring right now, we're talking about OTAs. Like you spend a decent amount of time in the position coach, learning your techniques, sharpening your tools, if you will. But you spend probably even more time with your strength and conditioning coach. And you talk about a guy who's coming in now to a scene where, let's be honest, the, the, the first taste that rookies get and the first taste that a lot of these young guys are going to get with this, this new regime will be with the strength and conditioning coach. It'll be the off-season workouts. So they're absolutely crucial because they're kind of like, I would say they're like the infantry. They, they're they the first guys in that kind of get Urban Meyer's points across, that get his, uh, his whole mindset across. Now, let's be honest. Lifting weights is lifting weights. You can do it a lot of ways, but it's still the general same thing. But in terms of how it's conducted, the organization, um, the intensity of these workouts, that is going to mirror what Urban Meyer is going to bring to the table. So it's an absolutely important position. And obviously Urban Meyer is bringing a guy who has a lot of energy who he knows very well. Yeah, and Anthony Schlegel is uh, his name, and he's obviously knows Meyer well. So he's going to be on board as a strength and conditioning. So the rest of the staff will be built. Let's push that aside for now. What's next? I believe, and I've said this, there is going to be a gutting of Jags headquarters, like across the board. Facilities, we've got into those conversations. We think it's heading in those directions, uh, that there will be new facilities at some point, whether it's standalone, whether it's just trying to fix some things in the meantime for this year. But no doubt those are part of the conversations. But if you're Urban Meyer, seriously, and, you, and you're hired, and you, and you started looking at this thing now for a couple of weeks, and maybe even longer, mm-hmm. and you said, I know what I'm going to do things, so you probably have a checklist. But what does that checklist show? Like, okay, i got to get my staff. Okay, we got to then go into the personnel department and say, who are we keeping? What are our big areas? So I get it from a football standpoint, but it's deeper than that is my point of this conversation. Yeah. It's, okay, uh, the food, is it right? The weights, do we have enough of them? Are these offices good enough for people to work and sleep in and be here all day? You know, yeah, yeah. team meeting rooms. Like, I'm, I, how far down to the studs is Urban Meyer going to take this thing to the point where I feel like, and I have some great friends in that building, by the way. As do I. I, I don't know if everybody's safe. Like, I'd be nervous if I was an employee almost, if I was yeah. in J- at Jags headquarters. I mean, even when we're talking about like, the athletic training staff as well. Um, Urban Meyer could come in and clean house with that yeah. area. And then they've always been very well respected, and they've been in there for a long time. So Equipment yeah, managers. Right, exactly. Right. Everybody. Yes. Yeah, so, well, again, we know great people in that organization. Yeah, we, we love them. Uh, we do. They've been there for a while. And by the way, I feel good about this flush in a lot of ways because I think they're they're going to turn the corner here, and I hope they're part of it. Many of them. Exactly. But you just never know. So You never know. All right, so Where are they going with yeah, so obviously, from the staff perspective, Urban Meyer is going to go from top to bottom. He's going to analyze everybody, whether it's the training staff, whether it's the equipment guys, whether it's the cooks in the kitchen. Like, I'm sure he's going to, you know, at least talk to somebody that, that is like a representative to them, get a feeling for them. Maybe, I'm not sure, like, the office workers and things like that. That's more of like the business side. But as far as the football side is concerned, he's, he's talking to everybody. And he's doing his due diligence. He's going to see, can we keep these guys on, or do I have my own guys I want to bring in to kind of embody my vision a little more? When that's complete, I think the next most important thing, if not the most important thing we should be talking about, are the coaches, are the coordinators, right? Because, listen, Urban Meyer is a coach, right? And his job is to say, who's going to start next year? What kind of scheme are you going to run? I think he's got an idea, and we've heard rumblings once again from Albert Breer and people, of the type of scheme that he wants to run on defense. And I'm sure he's got a good idea on offense as well. But until those coaches get in line, until he um, has those conversations with those coaches, 
it's all just hearsay as far as I'm concerned. So once those coordinators, once those, you know, those game plan specialists, whoever you bring in from different teams around the NFL, whoever you bring in, once those coaches are here, then in my opinion, it's time to get to work. Because now you know what kind of defense you're going to run, you know what kind of offense you're going to run. And when you know that, then you go back to last year's film. And, and I'm talking about you nitpick every single play. And usually, at least what I've been told, the way it works, Brent, is you watch the last game of the year. Because that's where you find out where guys' heads are at. Because usually, let's be honest, when you won one game all season and you're playing that last game of the season, some guys want to hang it up a little early, right? Some guys got a foot in the parking lot already. Some guys got a foot in Hawaii getting ready to go on vacation. So I'm not sure the way Urban Meyer runs it, but from my understanding, a lot of coaches will watch the last game first and then go backwards. And they'll evaluate the talent. They'll say, all right, this guy, we can put him in this position right here to succeed, and yada, 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 and so on. And they go from there evaluating the talent. And at the same time, too, keep in mind, Urban Meyer's got to keep in mind of the, the draft picks coming out now, too, and watch college film as well. Bottom line, there's a lot to do. A lot to do. It's a big point for and, Urban and, Meyer. And, but keep in mind, that's, I think, the I, – I think I like that from the college guy. The college guy is a, is a program builder, a culture builder, but he does everything. Mm-hmm. Every, now, he's got a lot of staff to help, mm-hmm. but he is involved in everything. And the other part, and we talked about this before, part of the stress of it, everything comes back on him, right? So he's not afraid of that ownership. And and so I think, and I don't mean ownership, shot kind of mean ownership and accountability. Yeah. And so I think he's going to have his hands on everything. The one other thing I do wonder a little bit about, and I think we, we might have mentioned this, you know, I don't know if he's going to run such a tight ship that we won't know anything coming out of there or if he's going to be a super transparent guy with the fans. I think fans are all in right now. Fans want to see everything. But keep in mind, at Ohio State in Florida, he was very much associated with ESPN. They would put a mic on him in practice. Recruiting is a big part of selling your university. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of selling in Jacksonville, right, to make them a relevant franchise. People over the weekend were talking hard knocks. Initially, I was like, well... I don't think they'd want to do that. I doubt it. But then I was like, wait a minute now. He knows there's some selling to do here. Maybe he would consider doing something like that. I'm not saying they will. And I know there are some rules about first-year coaches and stuff like that and whether they have to. They could put a request in, though, if you really wanted to do that. If they wanted to do it. And Mm -hmm. so initially, this is what I'm getting at. Initially, when people asked me that question, I was like, I think it will feel a little bit more Coughlin-esque in terms of tight and Fort Knox-ish. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not so sure about that. I, I think he he wasn't afraid of a microphone and a camera and some of that transparency at Ohio State and Florida. I think, like, if I was going to make a prediction on it, I would say it is going to be a little more tight knit, like Fort Knox, as opposed to being um, transparent and seen behind the curtain. Just because being a first year guy, like, listen, he's got to focus on the team. And he's got to focus on the task at hand because, yes, there are differences in college and in the NFL. No kidding. And I think that if you invite the media, if you peel behind the curtain a little bit too much, that can maybe be a little distraction for your first year. So I think once he gets established, maybe year two, year three, he starts to open up a little more. But I have a hard time seeing his first year with everything going on right now in the environment that we're in, that he's going to be... 100% 100% transparent of what's happening. I think one thing that's crystal clear, too, is we talk about this, and you're talking about maybe getting that building down to its studs uh, of refreshing, uh, flushing it, you know, all that, all that, gutting it. It can't be done in five or six months. There's no doubt everything he wants to do might be more of a 24 to 30-month kind of calendar, mm-hmm. you know. And now you tr- that's why you got to start at the top where the most important things are, but you also are building for the longer term. 
if that's what you're here to do. And there's no question that's what he's here to do. Uh, and I, I understand people say longer term. Meyer, well, I think he took this job knowing that. That's a long-term vision. Uh, but obviously wants some instant gratification and success as well. Randy Moss, let's get into it a little bit when we come back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. You know, with them being able to draft a guy like Trevor Lawrence, how will he fare, you know, coming into the league with Urban Meyer, who's been off for some time? And, really, you just, you just said something, social justice being out of the community. You know, Jacksonville Jaguars in the state of Florida, Duval County is not a good county to be in. So I really think that Urban Meyer, and I'm talking about the violence, not just the people, I'm talking about the violence and the crime in Duval County. So when I look at Urban Meyer coming to this team, he has a lot to, to, to be working with, and it's just not the team. You just said the Black Lives Matter, everything that's going on in our country right now with the COVID, there's a lot of concerns going on. I just wish you the best of luck. That is Randy Moss on NFL Countdown over the weekend. Not the only thing said. I thought there were a couple of interesting points. I think it was uh, Teddy Bruschi who also brought up just the idea of Urban Meyer Mm -hmm. having to deal with different things than the last time he coached. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, Also, Rex Ryan basically saying, welcome to the big boy. Well, and, and you know how Rex Ryan feels about it, right? Yeah. Like Rex Ryan paid his dues in the league. He started as an, you know, I mean, he had to work his way up. And now you have Urban Meyer, this hot shot, um, successful college coach, comes in the NFL, um, kind of circumnavigates the whole process, and now here we are. So what's your take on what Randy Moss said? And I, I do think it's important. Like, that was in the context, right? It was like, okay, what's he going to have to deal with, right? What's he going? Yeah. I, I guess the quick part of it for me is like, Wait, did Urban Meyer say he's running for office? Is he running for mayor? Uh, I I, I felt a little bit of that tone. Like, he's a football coach. All right? First of all, there's crime in a lot of places. And there's a lot of crime in Jacksonville. Like, Duval was – there's a lot of crime. I, oh, listen, I'm, I'm on CBS 47 and Fox 30. I know what leads the news every night. So I'm not saying he's dead wrong, but in the context that he put it, I thought it was a far reach, man, and a weird way to go when talking about the challenges of Urban Meyer. It, it's so weird because, okay, so this whole thing took place Sunday, right? And it was NFL countdown. And obviously, I saw the clip um, from there. And then some time after that, like, we talked about it. Like, Gene Fournette, man, I love Gene Fournette to death. Because, like, me and that guy, like, he'll, he'll give me a call out of the blue when something, like, he thinks I should talk about. Like, he kind of gives me advice. So I'm not sure if he's, like, trying to take me underneath this wing. Brent, you better watch out. Uh, but, like, every once in a while, we have a conversation. Just and, don't, and just, just don't go Thanksgiving dinner with him. No, versus <laughs> turkeys are tough. <laughs> no, man, I'm just going to bring a, a honey-baked ham and call it a day. But he, even Gene Fournette called me up, and he's like, like, you, you got to go after Randy. You got to go after Randy. You see what he said? And, like, you know how I operate. I can't stand it when the national media disrespects this city, the yeah. city that I live in. I've been here for six years off and on, but I consider this my city. I, I planted my roots here. This is home. And you know how I feel about it. Whether it's uh, whether it's getting distant at commercial, whether it's um, you know going to commercial during the Super Bowl, whether it's someone stupid taking opinion about uh, Hartford being Jacksonville of New York, whatever. Like I, I hate all that stuff, man. All right, and I, I'm probably a lot more sensitive than you are, Brent, and probably a lot more sensitive than probably 90% of the people around here in sports media are. This whole Randy Moss thing though is interesting because I saw the clip. 
and I saw the clip when he called Jacksonville and he said it's very violent and all that stuff, okay? And I sat there and I watched it on Twitter, and I'm like, what? what is the context here? Because there has to be more to this yeah. than just Randy Moss coming out and saying, like, listen, I don't know. Be where... careful reading headlines. Yeah. Exactly. And, like, I, I know Randy Moss is from, like, a country town or whatever like that, maybe a smaller city. I, I don't know Randy Moss. Right? I've never had a conversation with Randy Moss. But I had to get to the bottom of it, and I had to figure out where this came from. So I go back. Um, I DVR'd the show. We'll go back and watch the show. And here's what happened. Teddy Bruschi talks about how Urban Meyer was saying that it, there's a lot of similarities on the white lines between the the pro game and the college game, okay? So Bruschi says that, and then he goes into a couple examples of, listen, Urban, you've been out of the game for a year, and here's what you missed. You've missed the Black Lives Matter and the racial injustice. Like, listen, Urban Meyer has maybe commented on that stuff, but he hasn't been in the locker room, right? He, he hasn't been um, directly affected from a team perspective. So that was Brewski's first point. I think that's then, a valid point, right? It's a very valid point. There are just things that have changed. doesn't mean you can't do it. Exactly. But it's there just, are things that have changed. It's a different landscape. It's a different environment. And then he goes into COVID-19. Right. And the whole COVID-19 thing, like, listen, once again, Urban, you're talking on Fox Sports and that's great, but it's different now in a college locker room. Like college campuses are different and you missed out on that year. So that was another example. So they go from Brewski saying that to all of a sudden Randy Moss comes in. And to me, what I garnered was is that Randy Moss was trying to, like, one-up Teddy Bruschi and saying, hey, yeah, but, like, it's even worse than that. It's yeah. even worse than COVID. It's like he's going to be playing in Jacksonville where, you know, it's a uh, – it's a violent city. Now, yeah, listen, despite where you live, it's a city, okay? And there's good parts and there's bad parts. And when you talk about Jacksonville, yes, there are some bad parts. You'd be naive to say that it's just it's all hunky-dory here in the neighborhood because it's not. There's a lot of issues going on. So with that being said, um, I thought Randy Moss was trying to bounce an idea off Teddy Bruschi, but unfortunately it came across a hundred percent the wrong way yeah and they got taken out of context so i'm not gonna give randy moss a pass like he still talks smack about you know the city and i don't, I don't appreciate that i wish he would come out and clarify his comments but i see where he was going with it he was trying to make it a, a point and it kind of snowballed get out of control and he couldn't go back on it yeah and a lot happens a lot you know listen these they, they have great opinions and great stories a lot of former players but sometimes Trying to one up and and give a good response, you yeah. know, and and get people talking, it's mm-hmm. a dangerous way to go. Mm-hmm. And so again, everybody can kind of you know what on Jacksonville. It's just Jacksonville. Don't worry. Well, Jacksonville stood up when he said that, as and, they should. And there's a lot of different things from what he said um, that you do have to put into context. Again, yeah. and one of them being Urban Meyer's not running for mayor or sheriff. He's a coach of the football team. Yeah. And by the way, a coach of football team who wins can help lift the city too. Yeah. And so uh, I wish her. I wish Randy Moss. We'd requested it, Randy Moss. I've been told don't count on it, man. Yeah. But I'd love for Randy Moss to come on talk. We'll show him around. We'll talk more about well, it on the other side. Let's get yeah, on the other yeah, side. Yeah. We'll talk more about it. Uh, we're gonna go to the top of the hour break. We'll be back. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.